When I whet my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance upon mine enemies and I will repay those who hate me. O Lord, raise me to thy right hand and count me among thy saints. Welcome back to episode 191 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. We're going to do a very, very deep dive today, and we're going to get into quantum physics, non-locality, the Gimel, consciousness, Darwin, reductionists. It's going to be a real deep dive. Um, what I suggest you do is don't give up on it. Give it a shot. Listen to it. Uh, if you have to pause it and go back, if you don't get some some chunks of it, that's fine. But there's some real deep content in here that is really important for you to grow as a human being and for you to advance yourself. Um, you know, it does you no good to just say, oh, I don't know that. And I, I didn't know about that. I don't know. Learn, learn, study, learn about the self. So, again, a deep dive. We're going to get into this um, again. I have my new book that I just put out, which is titled The Academy of Liberation Handbook, Part 1 and Part 2. It's a PDF. If you email me or reach out to me on my social media, it's uh, it's free, and I'll send it out to you. There's nothing you join. There's no membership. I don't put you on a list or anything like that. I'll just reply back with, uh, with the PDF of the Handbook 1 and Handbook 2. Academy of Liberation, Handbook 1 and Handbook 2, and also the MP3, so you can listen to it as an audiobook. It basically covers a lot of the information that um, I cover on the podcast. I have a lot of the books that I have uh, recommend, the movies that I've watched, and speakers that I like to listen to, and basically a lot of my theories and, you know, my aggregation of knowledge in life. So it's kind of a home base to refer to where when you want to look something up, you can see it there. Again, if you're like uh, new to content creation or you have a podcast or you want to step up your game, you can actually use it as a reference material. And, uh, you know, you can use the material in there. You can read it. You can do whatever you want with it, man. It's out there to be used, okay, and, uh, and to grow with it. So give that a check out. My email is alphamalebuddhist.gmail.com. I actually have a Twitter account now, which I mentioned it in the last podcast. I will be updating my link tree in my Instagram. My Instagram is Alpha Male Buddhist. Uh, my website is Alpha Male Buddhist dot, dot Podbean dot com. That's Alpha Male Buddhist dot Podbean dot com. You can go there and check out my information. But again, I have a link tree on my Instagram, and I will be updating that with my new Twitter. And I have a Telegram right to check out so i'm gonna uh put this up give it a, a good shot give it a good listen hopefully everybody enjoys it a little a little deeper than i usually go but you know sometimes that's necessary and uh let's get into it and uh praise jesus name we live in a reality that's interconnected by the physical and the non-physical essentially the spiritual the non-physical is everything that operates on the quantum level like particles and waveforms, or that which is inexplainable by material science. The illusion of reality 
is that there's no spiritual aspect or force governing our experience here. Within this illusion, we find all our experiences to be real, and they are. However, what real is has been redefined over time. The interchangeability between the words quantum and spiritual, as we shall see, doesn't diminish the power of the higher force known to us as the Creator. The situation at hand is that we are here. We are governed by institutions on this planet, yet a higher divine power that governs all things. The trap or the sinister agenda of the shadowy elites is to keep the illusion efficiently running by consenting to live within their matrix parameters. Yes, they need our consent. They must have us all in agreement with their illusion, slavishly seeking out their path of pissed-on breadcrumbs, which only leads us deeper and deeper into their enslavement camp of the mind. And in the end, it just weakens us and removes us from the knowledge of our true God and the divinity and the spark of God that we have within us all. When I use the term God, I mean that in the most general of sense, or better said, the one true creator of all things, regardless of what religion you follow, whether you be Christian or Judaism or Islam or Hinduism, we all were created by the same one God. We just have different names for him. As long as the teachings that you follow preach the golden rule, which Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself and do no harm, then you know that the religion that you're on is definitely on the right path. And all of the major religions are. The religion and the word of the religion itself. Now, you have religious institutions, and as I've said a million times on this podcast, the word religion, uh, the etymology is religari in Latin, which is to bind or control. And as anything, as in all things, when man gets a hold of something, he has to subvert it and use it for his own uh, wicked control needs. So what has happened is people associate um, the Catholic Church with the pedophilia and all of the evil deeds that they do. Not to say that all Catholics are bad, but the institution itself, the Catholic religion itself, has some nefarious um, incidents that they have dealt with. So people associate God with the Catholic Church, so now they don't believe in God because of that association, which is really what they want in a sense, because they want to disassociate us from our Creator. So... You need to look into having a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Creator God. If you do follow religion, you do go to church and you pray and you support one another, that's amazing and that's great, but you have to really proceed with caution in this time. In this illusion, we find a sort of game being played out, a program. The goal, it seems, would be to beat the game and win in the end with all the chips, the diamonds, the cars, the homes, and just everything that is material in this world. To un better understand this simulated reality, we must understand the connection between the mind and body. Through the mind, we experience reality, and through the body, we are contained in it. The central reality we all interface with is virtual. It is made up of the collective programming of the shared sub-psyche. Carl Jung, the psychoanalyst, used the metaphor of the archetypes as thoroughly characteristic of the structural forms that underlie consciousness as the crystal lattice underlies the crystallization process. What Jung meant was that 
Just like crystals, our reality is formulated by an underlying system of codes. These codes to Jung were the archetypes, the established symbols which are assigned, which are assigned meaning, therefore make up our perception from the moment we exit the womb. With our senses, we see colors and hear sounds. These stimuli are specifically set to our human parameters. We know there are more colors and sounds because other beings and computers are not limited to the range that we perceive. This alone tells us that we are programmed to a certain reality. At times, the line between the conscious and subconscious blurs and we get to experience paranormal phenomena. Some might say that the paranormal exists outside of us and we observe it, while others say that it exists within us and we project it. Jung spoke about this in his book, Flying Saucers, A Modern Myth of Things Seen in the Sky, where people collectively were seeing flying saucers and discs, objects in the sky. And Jung postulated that there was a connection between all of the uh, people seeing these objects in the sky as an archetype. And once that archetype takes seed, it's something that is shared in the subconscious between all of the people that are on that same paradigm or in that same state of mind where they project this uh, these sightings out and other people that are in that same realm or in that same frequency pick up on it and it becomes almost in essence a manifestation of this archetype of the disc in the sky or the flying saucer, which does illustrate the oneness of consciousness, how there's one consciousness that we all share no individual ha you know, has possession of the consciousness. It's almost a metaphor I, I like to use, and it kind of hit me last night. I was thinking about it, and consciousness and how to explain it, is that uh, it's like the internet, right? I mean, there is no multiple internets. I don't sit home and then get on my internet and some guy in Germany gets on his internet. There's one internet. So it doesn't matter where you are. When the internet first came out, there was no content on it. Very little. I think there were bulletin boards and stuff like that. There was basically really nothing on there. But as more and more people began to put content on the internet and share and exchange ideas, that internet really took life. And that's really an assimilation or metaphor for consciousness in that I don't go into my own consciousness and then a person in Germany or in Mexico goes into their own consciousness. It's like we all share one consciousness, but as that one consciousness becomes more and more populated with individual entities or people that have existed, that have lived and died and passed on. And again, I believe in reincarnation. This, this, all of this karma that has taken place begins to populate the consciousness, just like people populate the internet. And it's the oneness that we all share, but we're sharing from these experiences that we have on an individual level, but on the consciousness level, it's it's a shared experience. It's almost kind of like an Akashic Record deal. Those of you that know about the Akashic Records, where all knowledge supposedly is contained in one container. So when you get inspiration or the muse hits you or you get some kind of epiphany, you're actually drawing from the Akashic Records. It's something interesting to look into. I say that the subconscious is the part of the mind closest to God because it is the most primal and free part of us, as Jung also concluded. As Jung said, 
modern man still does not realize that he is entirely dependent on the cooperation of the unconscious, which can actually cut short the very next sentence. He proposes to speak. He is unaware that he is continuously sustained by something, while all the time he regards himself exclusively as the doer. The body, our physical avatar, is the crude governor of our life in this reality. Our consciousness is the player animating the physical. When we attempt to live consciously, we are venturing to wield and shape our reality. Our subconscious can be described as our higher self. It is the true self, the voice in our head. Proof of this would be the fact that it is so difficult for people to enact change in their lives. If we could all do the things that we dreamt of, like eating better, working out more, or being smarter with our time, then we would simply do it. We are constantly distracted and discouraged by ourselves for the most part to do the things we feel guilty, neglecting. When we live by the body, we are led by crude autonomic emotion and passiveness. We can't truly change our reality until we consciously change our deepest self. The subconscious program is metaphorically driving the bus of our actions. Young's second half of his explanation of archetypes and crystals is equally important. Crystals are formed from lattices. The lattice is the basic 3D unit structure formed by particles at the atomic level within a crystal. For example, the lattice points or particles could form a cube and that one cube multiplies itself over and over in a fractal style, creating the physical crystal you hold in your hand. The lattice contains all the information needed to replicate and pass on the growth plan to form the finished crystal. As I've explained, our reality is similar in that the construct, the crystal, seems like a single physical unit. However, it is made up of code that beautifully underlie the perfect design. These codes aren't just the archetype that Jung spoke of. Our actual physical reality is made up of numerical codes. This reality we live in operates from numbers and geometry. An MIT professor in the book Our Mathematical Universe, the author concludes that if you believe in an external reality independent of humans, then you must also believe that our physical reality is a mathematical structure. Everything in our world is purely mathematical, including you. The math in nature is the code that replicates the growth patterns. This is evident in the Fibonacci sequence and golden ratio. For example, a tree twig is a replicate of the tree branch which is a replicate of the tree itself. The Fibonacci sequence is also related to what is known as the golden ratio, which is 1.618.
the ratio between Fibonacci's numbers as they increase tends to harmonize to 1.618. This ratio is special because when it is plugged into a natural growth pattern, it not only follows the Fibonacci sequence, but very often creates the usual spiral or double spiral throughout the macro and microcosm. The geometry part of our simulated reality comes in with abstract arrangement of the integers also in the equations and the finished product. For example, the circular human egg produced through conception splits off and replicates this process until it creates a human baby. Within the human baby is the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio. And perhaps the most obvious proof of the fractal nature of life is the fact that just like the many twigs branching from the trees, humans reproduce themselves from other humans, a never-ending fractal of people. The usual nine months it takes for a baby to be born would be a form of a systematic and numerical program that is embedded in nature. This is an equation involving numbers and geometry. Life may seem random and chaotic, but when we take a deeper look, everything is set to certain divine parameters to be sustainable. Interestingly, most scientists generally believe that the blueprint for life stems from DNA, and researcher Rupert Sheldrake proposes a theory of morphic resonance, which also has a very heavy influence upon the expression of the DNA, in that when life is created and the cell is created, it already has the DNA and RNA structure, recombinant and dinucleic acid structure spiral within it. However, the morphic resonance surrounding it, uh, surrounding the organism has an influence upon the expression of that DNA because the morphic resonance, as I said earlier, was comprised of prior living organisms going through the life experiences, whether they have to struggle, hunt, survive, fight, flight, and such. And that uh, those experiences are recorded in the morphic resonance, which also have an effect on the expression of the DNA of the living organism. This also ties into something that's called cymatics. And if you've seen it on YouTube, they'll have a metal plate and they'll have it vibrate at a certain resonance or a certain frequency, and they'll put sand or different types of powder or water, and contingent upon the frequency that they vibrate that metal plate at, it will form patterns in the powder of these uh, geometric, like mandalas, like really perfect symmetrical forms, uh, like snowflake type thing, where you can see the expression of that frequency of that vibration and it's it's really amazing if you go on youtube and see that so what in essence is happening is that the frequency in uh has an effect upon the structural composition or the form of the powder that's sitting on the plate so if you picture a metal plate with powder on it just in a lump pile of powder and you put a given frequency or resonance through that plate, it creates geometric forms, mathematically and geometrically perfect. Really, really interesting. And so the environment is having an effect on the powder, on 
the actual physical structure, that physical structure of the powder that's sitting upon that metal plate. You'd have to see it on YouTube, but it's really, really amazing. It's really fractal, geometrical, mathematical, and it's just amazing. And it's all just through a frequency. The physical world is governed by quantum structures and processes such as particles, lattices, energy fields. These are the invisible aspects. Retain and activate the codes to run the programs. This overall system is the matrix that we live in. The matrix we are in is comprised of a lattice grid work, wherein the smallest of particles and waveforms make up the entirety of what we call universe or a programmed physical reality. In short, the crystal lattice is the concept that reality is comprised of the physical and non-physical working in conjunction to construct our universe. The crystal lattice part of it is the fact that both the physical and non-physical operate from a code system as I've just briefly explained, the mind illusion aspect of the concept has to do with the conflict of neglecting to realize that we are more than just the physical. Today, our educational system, universities, accredited researchers, and just your average guy down the street will have you believe in this Darwinistic theory of evolution. Now, what many people don't understand is that this Darwinistic theory of evolution, first of all, isn't valid. And it's one of the main driving forces behind socialism, communism, the thinking of Marx and Engels when he wrote the Communist Manifesto. What in essence happened was the, Marx and Engels were in the process of uh, writing this Communist Manifesto. This is all loosely based on my understanding and my research, but it is true that when Engels and Marx were writing this Communist Manifesto, it's at the same exact time that uh, The Origin of Species came out by Charles Darwin and Wallace, his his uh, associate. And what it did was when it came out, it gave Marx and Engels the accreditation or the feeling that there really is no meaning to life, there is no God, that everything is basically just a result of evolution, where, you know, two carbon molecules collided in the primordial soup and created life, which is just retarded. If you look at it, there's no math there, there's no geometry, there's no chemistry, there's no crystal lattice, just, you know, supreme intelligence came out of the primordial soup, which is retarded. So a little known fact is that Alfred Wallace was the associate of Charles Darwin, and he put in pretty much just as much work as Darwin did in this theory of evolution. But shortly after completing that, that book that uh, on evolution, Origin of Species, with, with Darwin, Wallace realized that it, it was actually not correct and not accurate to really the development of life on this planet. Wallace stated that evolution cannot account for the cognitive uses of consciousness and intelligence as possessed by mankind. Wallace said that the theory of evolution cannot account for the magnificent complexity of the human mind and consciousness. In a letter that Wallace sent to a colleague in 1869, 
Wallace basically stated that there was, again, no way that this evolution could have account for the ability for man to think, reason, to reflect, self-reflect, and be self-aware and conscious of this universe, and that he's going to have to retract on his prior statements as far as the theory of evolution that he penned or wrote with uh, Darwin on the origin of species. So he basically retracted himself out of that. And this is the man himself that was the uh, half of the team. Him and Darwin wrote this book. So it tells you, it tells you a lot because the more that he began to research it, he began to realize that um, there was really more to the mind and consciousness than really, you know, the primordial soup evolution and just uh, static, you know, carbon molecules bumping into one another, resulting in and creating life. He just saw the fallacy in that. And in addition to that, Wallace actually participated. At that time, it was becoming very popular in seances and spiritual stuff, occult stuff, which is dark and really we should avoid that. That Ouija board and those tarot cards, are, in my opinion, they're no good and stay away from them. God does not like people to do divination. But... He attended these things and he saw some supernatural things where people were being possessed by other spirits and just supernatural phenomenon with tables levitating and, and all that kind of stuff like that. Real, real occult, uh, demonic stuff, basically. But he saw it manifest in front of him. So he realized that if you have this dark side and if you have these entities that are able to permeate the reality and affect the real physical world from the spiritual affect the real world that there's more than meets the eye t to this whole creation so again he reversed his views on on uh, on that evolution and really became a believer in the spiritual aspects of life so by observing the dark energy and the basically the demonic side of it it's the yin and yang. You know, if that dark uh, demonic side of it exists, then the light and the God-loving side of it also exists. And that's one thing that I don't understand. You'll have people that are all gung-ho into worshiping Satan and Wicca and Ouija boards and tarot cards and some real evil stuff, casting spells, feeling that they have the power to do these things. But at the same time, if you ask them, is there a God, they'll say no. Which is stupid because if you're going to believe on the one side of it, you're going to have to believe on the other side. If you believe in white, you got to believe in dark and vice versa. And when I say believe in, I mean believe that they exist, not believe or hold to their doctrines. But I mean just have an understanding that if you're holding to the left, you have to realize that the right does exist. Just by the mere fact that there is a left, if you know what I mean. Like how can darkness exist without light? And vice versa, how can light exist without darkness? Because the real definition of darkness is basically just the absence of all light. You know, like some people say also that um, how can God or where does evil come from? But basically evil is the absence of all good, right? It's just the yin and yang, the opposite duality, the duplicitousness of this creation just is what it is. And that's what Wallace realized. But you never really hear about that. In our universities, just here, Darwin, 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 evolution, we came from monkeys, it's retarded. The mainstream view of consciousness and how it operates is based on the notion that it originates 
in the brain. These theories belong to the class of reductionist thinkers. There are several prevailing theories used to crudely explain away consciousness. The main four theories are known as the global workspace theory, the higher order theory, the integrated information theory, and the re-entry and predictive processes approaches theory. Each of these theories, as you can imagine, has extensive scientific papers backing them up. They only explain a rudimentary outlook on how a brain reacts to stimuli and can cause basic autonomic thinking akin to that of a bug or a beast. These theories do not explain how the consciousness of a human can be so inherently unique and express abstract thinking outside of just primitive activity. The reductionists differ from the non-localists who believe consciousness is superior to matter. Locality is a term within quantum physics that is often used to describe space-time facets. In short, locality and non-locality differ in the sense that when you subscribe to or exp explain the theory of locality, that means that your consciousness, your thinking, and your whole being are contained and processed within your brain and within your physical body. Whereas non-locality believes that consciousness is outside of the self and it is something that you tap into. As I said, you know, when you tap into the internet, everyone is tapping into the same internet. So that means that the internet is non-local, right? So the same thing with consciousness, that if you believe in non-locality, you're believing that your consciousness is not located within your brain or within your persona. It's outside of yourself. Well, you know the theory that, you know, you have the three dimensions, right? And then the fourth dimension is time. But there are theories that there are actually nine dimensions that we can't even conceive or perceive in any way. But there are some authors, two, actually two writers that developed that theory that there are nine dimensions. And it's a little bit too deep for this podcast and something that's kind of hard for me to comprehend, but I'm something I'm looking into now. But one of the things in this nine dimensional theory is that there's a thing that's called the Gimel. And what the Gimel does is, is it gives all of the quantum particles the ability to cohesively interact with one another. In other words, it gives it the homeostasis or the synchronicity where they can mesh together and hold together as a whole cohesive thing. It's Gimel. It's kind of it's kind of deep. And uh, again, I'm, I'm look into it, man. Check it out. It's called the Gimel. I guess you could say in a simplistic way, it's like the glue that holds the universe together. The truth is, we are not our brains. The brain is just a programmed avatar for what we are, which is a vastly interconnected spiritual being with immense ability to perceive and interact with the infinite. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feedback is always welcome. Thank you for listening and praise Jesus name. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, 
And I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast, so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbead.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.